who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney Plus. Wander Middle Earth in the Lore of the Rings podcast, where we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. In the Lore of the Rings podcast, we explore the inspiring tales and rich mythology of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings Legendarium, and connect it to the movies and the new Rings of Power series. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You'll find a new, lore-packed episode every Thursday. Come wander and not be lost with the Lore of the Rings podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. And today we are joined by our good friend Ben Dignan from Religion in the Realms to talk about Bane. 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 Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Hey, hey Ben. Hey, Ben. Hi. What's up, guys? Thanks for having right. me again. Yeah, of Thanks course. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, I believe last time you were on the show, we were talking about a different member of the Dark Three of the Dead Three, Ball, who I was calling Bahal, but, you know, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> and it's it's great to have you back on, man. You are a wealth of knowledge and a joy to have on the show. So is everyone ready to get into it? Let's get do in there. Thing. All right. The spooky season calls for more than books of evil, undead, demons, and monsters. It also calls for dark gods. And who is a darker, more sinister deity than the Lord of Darkness himself? Known as the Black Hand, the Dark One, and the Accursed, Bane, the Ferunian god of tyrannical oppression, terror, hate, and strife, is our topic today. And let me tell you, this guy is all over the place. From man to God to man to dead to God to quasi-God, Bane has grew himself quite a bit when it comes to continuity. But do not worry, we're going to cover it all. And luckily, uh, we have been again graced by the presence of a true Forgotten Realms deity expert who can correct any accidental blunders I wander straight into here today. So without further ado, let's get into it. 
Oh, yeah. Also, we will be avoiding spoilers for Baldur's Gate 3. As one would imagine, lots of the Forgotten Realm topics will likely touch on this game, uh, and Bane is absolutely one of those topics. Uh, so for spoiler sakes, we will be covering Bane's history up until the start of Baldur's Gate 3 and no further. So Bane is the Ferunian god of tyrannical oppression, terror, and hate. The main domain he is associated with originally was strife, but Bane really stretches the meaning of the word to whatever he kind of wants it to be, mostly tyranny, um, which strife, strife is supposed to be like conflict between people, and yet somehow it just comes out to tyranny. I don't know. Yeah, like struggle and sadness. Struggle like and sadness, there. right? Yeah. Um, but somehow he he twisted it to mean like I want to rule everything. Um, he's known across Faerun as the face of pure evil through malevolent uh, despotism. In Forgotten Realms, Bane is really up there with the notoriously baddest of the bad rogues gallery. Uh, we may worship Demogorgon and High Five Asmodeus on this show, but the folks of the Sword Coast are a bit more concerned with the likes of Bane and Shar than demons and devils. Shout out to Demogorgon. Shout out to Demogorgon. Mostly, anyways. So it really is a lot like the um, the Dark Knight Rises. What do you mean? That Bane is he's he's like you said here he's a. Uh, the rogues gallery, like high up in there. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The tyrant, he's trying to take over. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. The the, the parallels are are mind boggling. Outstanding. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. I don't know if they talk the same, but I mean, it's a menacing voice. It, it could is. work. Doing my game. I'm the Lord of Tyranny. Yeah, that's not a bad Bane voice. We are all going to better ourselves with food. It's for anybody that uh, watched that video of that link I dropped in Discord. You know, I didn't watch it, but I've seen that video. <laughs> yeah, I knew I know. exactly the one you, you sent. Yeah. Showed it to you probably like three or four times. Probably. <laughs> um, so Bane rarely shows up or sends his avatar to deal with something directly. Instead, preferring to keep to the shadows and allowing his servants to carry out his intricate plans. But on the rare occasion in which he does make an appearance, he takes the form of a shadowy humanoid figure, often bare-chested but sometimes wearing dark armor, and a stylish black cloak streaked with red. Um, his right hand, invariably protected by a jeweled metal gauntlet, is all the weapon he needs to dispatch the few foes foolhardy enough to attack him. He emanates an aura of vast power and cruel intelligence. Uh, Bane is a holy, malevolent, and brutal deity. He savors the terror he instills in others and the hatred that forms in mortals' hearts, utilizing this strife to gain greater control over the realm. See, he's just, you know, I'll use this to do what I really want. Sorry. I'll uh, use this to do what I really want. <laughs> forgot. You forgot to do the voice. I, I can't do the voice. That's why I got you here, man. You got this. <laughs> He has no tolerance for failure and seldom thinks twice about submitting even a loyal servant to rigorous torture to ensure complete obedience in his demanding regimen and doctrine. Uh, though possessed of an unforgiving wrath when aroused, Bane is slow to anger, existing in a perpetual state of a controlled burn. Okay. Yeah. The Lord of Darkness has... Uh, and lives by a simple ethos. The strong have not just the right, but the duty to rule over the weak. A tyrant who is able to seize power must do so, for not only does the tyrant benefit, but so do those under the tyrant's rule. When a ruler succumbs to decadence, corruption, or decrepitude, a stronger and more suitable ruler will rise. So that's how he sees the world. Okay. Uh, Bane is vilified. In many legends, as one would imagine. Throughout history, those who favor him have committed dark deeds in his name, but most people don't worship Bane out of malice. Uh, Bane represents ambition and control, and those who have the former but lack the later uh, pray to him to give them strength 
It is said that Bane favors those who exhibit drive and courage, and that he aids those who seek to become conquerors, carving kingdoms from the wilderness and bringing order to the lawless. Uh, many times and in many places in Faerun, the faithful of Bane have been seen as saviors for their efforts in slaughtering raiders, you know, throwing down corrupt rulers, or saving armies in uh, on the brink of defeat. Uh, but in just as many other places, the worship of Bane has created or supported cruel dictatorships, uh, aided mercantile monopolies, or brought about the practice of slavery where it did not exist before. So you're saying that uh, a, a an aspiring king might invoke the protections of Bane yep. to establish a kingdom? Yeah. I yep. mean, that's not good, right? That can't be great. So, no, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. But people trick themselves into thinking it's okay. Or, like, you know, like, the fact is, like, Bane is evil. And, like, the end goal of Bane is ultimately, like, the conquering of all things and subjugation of all, which is pure evil. But a single community might be greatly benefited by Bane's presence because, you know, they just went from dealing with null hordes you know, overrunning their land. Now there's order and law and trade and things are flourishing. And suddenly it's like, well, yeah, you've heard the stories that Bane's evil, but like the direct effect on your life has been the opposite. So what do you believe? Like we're talking about Bane and like the deities from an outside of game perspective where we know the gods are real and doing all this stuff. But from like a single human's life, you know, they might have only known flourishment under Bane. And like, so they're going to sing his praises, you know? Sure. Is that going to topple over eventually? Like, like it sounds a lot like a demon pact or a devil pact. Where <clears throat> well, it's good at first, and then it, and you're going to get what you want in some form or fashion. But eventually, you're going to take a big fat L, right? I would imagine Ben would know more about this. I do know that there are some nations that have been around a long time that worship Bane. Um, isn't there like a a series like an island nation? I I don't remember in Forgotten Realms. Do you know Ben? Uh, there's not any specific nation offhand that worships Bane. Okay. Instead, it's really city-states around the Moon Sea. Uh, that's it, that's where sea. his worship's most prolific. Uh, he was tied to the Zentarm for a very long time, but they kind of fell out of favor. We won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but yes, yeah, you, you're right on, like, right on the mark, uh, Brian. It's very insidious, uh, Bane's worship. Uh, it's a very civilizing faith. Um, there's a reason why he's likely so strong as he is because he's so favorable to civilization. That means he works for peace mm. to inevitably kind of install his faith and then work towards their own evil ends. Uh, even then, uh, Bane does technically have some lawful neutral worshipers. Um, they kind of view his tenets in a different way, more as that kind of stabilizing kind of force in a wild and uh, threatening world like it is in the Forgotten Realms. So there is a reason why Bane got up to the power level he attained. Yeah, he's got yep. a lot of, of worshippers because you're starting cultures. You have like whole city states, like you were saying, full of people. So, yeah, he's so he is lawful and... But ultimately lawful evil? Yes. Okay. Ultimately hundred percent. Yeah. Got but it. but it's hard, I think, uh a lot of people are drawn in because of the amount of order and safety and peace and and stuff that he technically does provide. Yeah. Um, I mean you're gonna you're gonna establish your your foundation and you need those people to be like well. Right. So that, that makes sense to me. <clears throat> 
That being said, his dogma is extreme, and it's aimed in one singular direction, to submit to him in all things and no other. Official doctrine states, serve no one but Bane. Fear him always, and make others fear him even more than you do. <laughs> the black hand always strikes down those that stand against it in the end. Defy Bane and die. Or in death find loyalty to him, for he shall compel it. Submit to the word of Bane as uttered by his ranking clergy, since true power can only be gained through service to him. Spread the dark fear of Bane. It is the doom of those who do not follow him to let power slip through their hands. Those who cross the black hand meet their dooms early and more harshly than those who worship other deities. Okay, so is that stuff like written down? Yes. Yeah, that stuff is written down. Because if I read that, even as like the citizen of a country, well, I mean, like if, like you guys are saying, if I'm dealing with null hordes, and that's bad, that's so bad. It's so bad. But this is not. I mean, I'll take it. I guess that's what I what I'm trying to say is like, okay, I so, guess. Ben, again, you probably know more than me. Yeah. I would imagine that this doctrine is like you don't. It's like Scientology. You don't get this until you get to the higher levels. Like, you, you don't, don't advertise that. That's internal. That's internal doctrine oh, to the okay. faith. Internal got doctrine. it. Yeah. Got it. So the higher ups are like, yeah, Bane, let's let's be evil. And mm -hmm. then the people are like, yay, food. Yeah. And no, the gnolls are dead. Yep, exactly. You got it. <laughs> yeah, you might not be make, doing well in life. Uh, you not might not be being paid well, et cetera, et cetera. But at the very least, you don't have gnolls kicking down the front door to like raid your town because you have a stabilizing force. Um, both probably in rulership, not only that, the uh, faith of Bane, which is very militaristic as well. Yeah, yeah, very militaristic, and we will get into that. <clears throat> so Ed Greenwood is the original creator of Bane, using him in his home Dungeons & Dragons game for the Forgotten Realms, conceiving of him as the big baddie of the setting. Um, Bane first appeared in the game of Dungeons & Dragons as one of the deities featured in Ed Greenwood's article, Down to Earth Divinity, in Drag Magazine 54 in 1981. Here Bane is introduced as Lord Bane, the Black Lord, God of Strife, Hatred, and Tyranny, a lawful evil greater god from the plain of Acheron. The article notes that he is never seen, although there are tales of a freezing black taloned hand and eyes of blazing fire. Bane is described as one of the dark gods of the evil alignment. So Bane later officially appeared as one of the major deities for the Forgotten Realms campaign setting in the Forgotten Realms campaign set's Cyclopedia of the Realms booklet in 1987. <clears throat> so as with a lot of deities of the realms, there is a lot of history and many novels featuring the God of Tyranny. I have not read most of them, but I will do my best to give a historical summary of Bane's rise to greater godhood, fall to mortality, death by another god, resurrection through his son's chest cavity, rise again to godhood, and finally he's reverting back to a state of merely quasi-divine jerk. <laughs> okay. I w was I not correct, <laughs> Ben? 100%. It's just, we'll get into it, but there's a period of years there where there's just so much turnover in Bane status. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Bane was once a mortal human. Little is known about his past. Uh, even the precise era in which he lived is up for debate. But what is known is that even as a human, Bane wanted nothing more than to become the most feared, respected tyrant the world had ever known. However, doing so would require an infusion of arcane power greater than uh, that usually accorded to mortals. Hence, the calculating despot joined forces with the similarly driven humans, Ball and Merkel. Is it Merkel or Merkul? Because Merkel sounds like Urkel, and that makes me laugh. 
It rhymes with Urkel. It's Merkel. Okay. Just checking. Merkel. So Ball and Merkel in a pact of mutual assistance that would end in the apotheosis of the entire trio. <clears throat> Bane, Ball, and Merkel, the Dark Three, the Dead Three. Together they forged a pack of ambition. They would conquer not just the world, but the heavens, becoming gods unto themselves. And they targeted specifically the god of strife, death, and the dead, Jurgle, who was amongst the most powerful of Toril's deities at the time, which I'm guessing here is like, go big or go home, because that's like, why'd you target him? He seems like the last one you'd want to target. But anyways. Uh, for the stars. Yeah, shoot for the stars. It's all coming back. I'm remembering a lot of the Oh, from the ball episode, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the three villains adventured across the breadth of Faerun, defeating countless foes. They served as generals to an army comprising forces from three human nations, savage gnolls, and other races from the moon sea north, slaying Maram of the Great Spear at the Monument of the Ancients in the Frozen Forest. I don't know what most of those things are. Um, I just know that they happened. <laughs> They yeah, destroyed so, a um, oh, Go ahead. Yes, please. Yeah, the, those are like that location. I believe that name is specifically like historically, that's what it was called. I forget exactly what it's called now. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, this is around negative 350 Dale Reckoning when there's all this going on. Uh, this yeah, is when Nethril's at its height. This is before Karsus did his big oopsie and kind mm -hmm. of uh, ruined things for Nethril or the Nethril Empire. But, uh, they yeah, for, are very for reference, much Brian, during We're talking period. about 1,800 years before what is considered the current timeline of Forgotten Realms. Yeah, because yeah, Jurgle at this time, he is a deity in the Netherese pantheon. Uh, right. There's other gods in this pantheon that are current gods in the Faerunian pantheon. I won't get go down on that tangent, but <laughs> um, Jurgle's a god at this point. Like He's full-on... <laughs> one of the like largest uh powers in the setting like he's right up there probably very close to Shar. yeah so yeah definitely so they also destroyed a primordial took its essence and divided it up equally amongst themselves they slew one of the seven lost gods and brought the others to their knees we talked about that in the star spawn episode um, they traveled throughout the lower plains facing every kind of fiend imaginable in the pursuit of their goal now, how did they manage this? Well, part of it was that they were very capable and very powerful adventurers and individuals. But the other part, and probably the most important part, is that the group very early on became uh, known by their quarry, Jurgle. But rather than try to stop them, Jurgle, who had become bored and dispassionate for his divine status, uh, decided to prepare them for the burden of godhood instead. He set them on their path, and like the greatest dungeon master the world has ever seen, he dialed in the CR ratings of the monsters they faced, applied plot armor subtly, but definitely, and fudged as many rolls as necessary to get those boys to his throne room. Um, when the time finally came to confront Jurgle, the god of death immediately set the dead three to turning on one another, each desiring the other's power. He then intervened and proposed to divide up his portfolio for them, based upon a game of knuckle bones, which we covered in the ball episode, um, which Bane promptly won. Bane claimed for his prize governance over the sphere of strife, believing he would be able to rule over all of Toril in this way. Uh, as it turned out, however, Bane would not only have to contend with Ball and Merkel, who became powerful gods in and of themselves, but with the rest of the divine who would become his most hated foes. So would you agree with me uh, I, about this information about Jorul kind of setting the path for them? Oh, 100 yeah. um... percent. Just to touch on a detail there, uh, their 
the way that the dead three like stole divine power from these seven lost gods, not all of them, but some of them was through an artifact called the Jathamon dagger. Um, briefly touching on Jathamon, it was a cult during the era of Nethril that hated the gods to the point that they sacrificed many of their members in a ritual to create essentially a dagger that could bypass the divine protections of the gods. And Jurgal basically saw what they did, imprisoned the cult inside a coliseum, and killed them, and then took that dagger in particular, and as you said, very much like a dungeon master, uh, provided uh, Bane, they talked to, it's usually Bane that's receiving these visions, uh, received a vision and kind of led him on the path to get that specific dagger, so... Yes, this is Jurgle's machinations 100%. Gotcha, yeah, okay. So now we're going to move forward to the time of Troubles, um, which is a huge jump in time, but um, I don't know if there's anything between kind of when they become gods and the time of Troubles that that you think should be covered in, in the history span. If you do, like we could talk about it here and now, um, but it seemed to me to the next major thing to jump to. Yeah, so the one big thing I would touch on is you're probably going to talk about Bane's son eventually, yes. but in this period, Bane does have some sort of relationship with, it's kind of band, bandied back and forth as to who it was, either an evil paladin or, or a, fiend, a I demon, believe a which is surprising yeah. given his alignment, mm -hmm. being lawful evil. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, during this period, um, a son of his is birthed, named Yaktu Zim, that's a mouthful, mm -hmm. but uh, Zim kind of shows up around 710DR for the first time, at least in re recorded history in the lore. Uh, so that's kind of really it that's leading up to this point. More or less, he's really kind of, as he becomes a god, he's building up his power to the point that he's rivaling some of the strongest like evil powers in the realms, uh, yeah. mainly Shar. Shar being like the big, big bad at this point. Yeah, Shar is definitely. But, uh, yeah, top like dog, Bane but works Bane his way close. up to being a greater deity during this period. Mm -hmm. Um. So we're gonna move forward to the time of troubles. But Bane didn't just have to endure the time of troubles like most deities at the time did. He, along with Merkel, was the very cause of it. So at this point, Bane has been a mighty and dark deity for quite some time feared Faerun over, uh, but that's not good enough for him. He wants to rule everything, and it just isn't coming together for him. Too many other stronger, older, richer deities hogging up all the divine power rankings. So what does he do? He decides to cheat. He calls the old team back together for one more job. This time, they were going to steal the Tablets of Fate, powerful artifacts in the form of stone slabs that serve to maintain the balance between the forces of law and chaos and acted as a barrier between the worlds of Abir and uh, Toril. Uh, created by the over-deity Ao. I was waiting for Brian to say, uh, what was it, Everything Dad? My, uh, my, yeah, my Everything Dad. My Everything Dad. Uh, created by the over-deity Ao after the first sundering of Abir Toril. Uh, the plan was to steal the tablets and absorb some of Ao's power slash rewrite the tablets to become the strongest gods on the block. This ended up backfiring in two ways. Uh, the first way, the tablets, in a way, kind of just ended up being tablets that they couldn't use in the way they had assumed. So they ended up hiding them in Faerun and pretending like it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but number two is Ao found out and was very, very upset about it. He's super pissed. 
Yeah, um, AO's not going to DM you through <laughs> to just give you the tablets and make them work, I guess. Yeah. So when AO discovered the tablets of fate were missing, he summoned all of the deities and asked for those guilty to hand them over. When no one came forward to admit the, to stealing the tablets, AO cast down all the gods from the heavens, taking their divine power in the process. Ao then tasked Helm with guarding the celestial stairways, which would lead the deities back to their divine realms. It was Ao's hope that through this, the gods would learn not only to be content with what power they had, but to respect the needs and wishes of their worshippers. But what it actually led to was a ton of deities dying and mortals becoming gods in their place. Okay, so it's a reorg. Uh, yeah. wh why doesn't Ao know what, like, you can hide information from Ao? Ben, tell me about Ao, because I'm I'm always confused about the over deities like role and status. Yeah, so Ao knew a hundred percent who took his tablets. Um, he always knew that. This time of troubles was very much punishing the gods. Um, he was sending them down to pretty much teach them a lesson. That's all this was. Uh, Helm so an op an uh, being like to humble the only everyone. one exception here. Helm was given, or sorry, he's left to still have his divine power so he could guard the ways to the outer planes from the rest of the gods who were kind of, at this point, still powerful, but they were just in their avatar forms. So, <clears throat> yeah, this is this is Ao just say, pretty much giving them all the middle finger. Yeah, I'd be mad. If I was like a regular god, like I didn't do anything. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's it is funny because like this was all the gods. It wasn't just the evil gods. It was yeah. all the good gods Every too. Deity, yeah. <clears throat> so we're not going to get into all the different deities and who died and who got replaced and all that. But suffice it to say, Bane got murked by the young god Torm, uh, patron deity of paladins and the god of duty, loyalty, righteousness, obedience, and law. Uh, subsequently, the majority of Bane's power fell from him to the mortal Cyric, who's definitely going to get his own episode because the dude's a crazy asshole, uh, who temporarily claimed the powers of all the dead three, all of whom perished in the time of troubles. Um, also, though, a smaller portion of Bane's power fell to his son, Yaktu Zim. That's how, is that how you say it? I pronounce it Yaktu Zim, but Yaktu Zim. the thing is, what's funny, uh, will is that they'll say his name first time like in the actual books and then every time after that it's just him because <laughs> let's be honest the writers know no one's gonna want to read that multiple no. times not well, let so alone true. say it more than one time <laughs> yeah absolutely uh i'll i'll, I'll forward uh yach to xvim <laughs> that'll be my my personal take on it nice that way we can't no one can say that we did it wrong because we did them all <laughs> yep. So when news of Bane's destruction spread across the realms, 27 different Faerunian nations marked the occasion with widespread festivals of thanks and celebration. It seemed that the Black Lord's ceaseless ambition had at last led to his destruction. Bane's church fragmented with most of the faithful de defecting to the clergies of Cyric, who inherited Bane's portfolios, and Zim, the progeny of Bane. Agents of good and freedom breathed easier in those days, knowing that Tyrell was rid of perhaps its greatest menace. <clears throat> and those who let down their guard, however, did so rashly and far too soon. For on midwinter night, 1372 DR, Zim burst in a conflagration of diabolical green light, and from the smoking husk of his remains emerged a newly reinvigorated Bane, <laughs> his right hand ablaze with green fire. 
Zim, it appeared, had been little more than a sentient cocoon, a shell in which grew a festering larva that would in time become Bane. Within days, the Zimvlar clergy had converted to the worship of Bane, and a great evil once again cast its calculating stare over the lands of Faerun. Oh my god, he did a reverse King Piccolo. <laughs> he did, he did. That's funny. Man, what do you funny. got on the chest bursting uh, here? I the Lord never really talks about this, but there's some definite parallels between what Ball did and what Bane did. Oh, yeah. Huh. Uh, Ball kind of cast a wide net and had many progeny. So many Ball And those progeny called the Ball Spawn uh, killed each other off eventually to the point that eventually when the last one kind of uh, did the deed and killed someone, he reemerged as a god. This was during the second Sundering, so mm -hmm. it's further in the timeline than yeah. this. But Bane, I imagine he probably likely had more than one kid, but at least he had one powerful kid. And that kid absorbed some of his power. And you you can see where I'm going with this. They kind of very different, con like they're th almost the same contingency, just in a different way. Yeah, they're pretty I've much the exact same contingency. Yeah, I've just been curious as to why that if maybe there was conversation between them back when they were gods because of course they're allied with one another yeah um, yeah you, they they talk all the time yeah my personal theory is that merkel kind of had a conversation with his two buds and kind of they're like well merkel what can we do so that if we die what kind of contingency can we have in place and then merkel being like a god of the dead at the point at that time kind of dis dispense with like like these rituals this magic and in a way they put a contingency in place for both of them uh not in the exact same way but in a very similar way that's all personal theory though just something i've noticed i mean it sounds very plausible to me Considering like th these three are just yep. constantly in cahoots, they're they're besties for sure. Yeah, it sounds like they got like a general like uh, scoped out blueprint of what to do, and just like figured the details out in their own way. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, here's a question: Where I haven't done pretty much any reading on Mer Merkel outside of what I've read in the the Ball research and the Bane research, um, and I don't know how how did Merkel end up coming back to, to life. I know how Ball and Bane have, but. Uh, so Merkel, I wouldn't say he exactly had a contingency in place like Ball and Bane. Um, when he got killed uh, by Midnight, who would then become Mistra, uh, on top of Blackstaff Tower in Waterdeep, uh, his essence kind of flew into an artifact called the Crown of Horns, I believe it's called. Mm. And in that artifact, like he, his essence kind of remained up until a point, um, I don't know if it was during the spell plague, but very least it was kind of growing again. And then the second sundering occurred um, with everything being rewritten in terms of the divine uh, status of the gods, uh, Merkel reemerged, but he didn't have any like strong contingency in place like Bane or Ball, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> 
So for Bane, death ended up just being a temporary setback. Anticipating the possibility of his own death, Bane, the god of tyranny, had, like his companion Baal, created a scion for the purposes of his own regeneration. Since his miraculous resurrection, Bane has gone to the work of or Bane went into the work of reestablishing his power base, a task in which he was very largely successful. Uh, regaining nearly all of his followers from Zim and Syric, Bane then went about reforming his church hierarchy, forcibly eliminating its tendencies towards infighting, which he previously had encouraged in order to separate the weak from the strong. He now realized that his leadership style, that this leadership style uh, was self-defeating and destructive. Bane also reestablished his old alliances with Leviatar, Mask, and Tolona, um, who had previously, he had previously worked alongside uh, him in the Time of Troubles. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like the writers probably made that change of being like uh, kind of stopping the infighting just because like when I think about like the infighting stuff, I really think of Loth and Shar. That's like their thing, like promoting infighting um, in order to, to to only have the strong survive. And uh, this just this idea that like uh, um, strength is derived from from kind of like killing all one's rivals and stuff from within. Yeah, no, uh, that could very much be the case. Like him being a lawful God would stand to reason that he wants stability. Um, it's stability through tyranny, of course, but stability yeah. nonetheless. Gotcha, man. So Bane escaped the spell plague largely unscathed, and in fact, the cataclysm largely benefited him, removing two of his chief rivals, Mistra and Syric, all at once. Uh, in the century that followed, Bane's uh, power increased only further, and the god conquered the goblinoid pantheon, bringing uh, Maglubiet and Hergek to heal before him. Uh, by the end of the era of upheaval, Bane was as powerful and as dangerous as he had ever been, which, as Diggy was saying earlier, like, this dude's, like, one of the top, top evil powers, like, greater god, very few of the dark deities are more powerful than him, and he he reaches that status yet again. Um, so now we have to talk about the second Sundering. Uh, it's the event that bridges 4E Forgotten Realms to 5E Forgotten Realms and is the put everything back where you found it 4th edition or so help me event. Um, that's how I see it anyways. Uh, I know I'm being a little bit like hand wavy with it. But when Ao the Overgod destroyed the Tablets of Fate at the conclusion of the Times of Trouble uh, or Time of Troubles, he instigated the Era of Upheaval. The Tablets defined the laws of realm space and kept it relatively stable. Uh, without them, chaos ensued, and the worlds of Eber and Toril, separated many thousands of years ago, slowly started to overlap. The Spell Plague drastically sped up this process. Um, the Spell Plague is, I don't know if we've really talked about it, Brian, but essentially, I'm pretty sure it's like the whiplash effect from Mistra dying. Um, yeah, we've definitely talked about yeah. that event, but yeah. the, the fallout from it is a little hazy on mine if we've talked about like what it all means. It was, it was like, it was what was going on during 4E in Forgotten Realms was the spell plague, right? It's just basically like all these crazy whiplash effects that no one foresaw are, are happening because the weave is unraveling. Mm -hmm. And um, I know a lot of it is, there's like this weird like blue magic flame that was like really tied to like people who were like infected by the spell plague or just different like spell plague explosion stuff. But the finer details of it are lost on me because I haven't done very much reading on it. And back in my 40 days, I did not play in Forgotten Realms. Um, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to, if you wanted to summarize the spell plague for us, Ben. 
No, that's very much a good overview. Um, I will say, though, kind of stepping outside in world, the Spell Plague era for the realms, uh, specifically fourth edition, is not well regarded yeah. by realms fans. That's uh, kind of funny. You say the word Spell Plague on in really any Forgotten Realms community, you will get kind of grimaces and groans because yeah, a lot of people are like not fans of it because of the wide swath of changes that came along with it um not to say it shouldn't be touched on but um <laughs> again just for those who aren't aware of it it's not a well-regarded uh part time of the realms and that is why with the second sundering in fifth edition you can see very much the changes um brought about in fourth edition specifically a lot in the gods uh being reverted back to how they were in third edition second edition and first edition yeah and and i've said it before i'll say it again i i love fourie and i love fourie lore and you know i'm not the biggest forgotten realms fans but i will say that fourie did forgotten realms dirty so i don't blame fans for not liking uh, what fourie ended up doing to their favorite setting for sure um the second sundering started with ao's decision to recreate the tablets of fate and to separate the worlds of Iber and Toril uh, once more. The deities were unsure of what this would do to them and their power, and many of them made efforts using their most powerful servants to prepare for the, the upcoming Sundering. They knew it was coming. They're not sure what the fallout's going to be. So basically, m my, my perception of this was a lot of gods, most of them, start scrambling to just gain as much divine power as they can, not knowing what the, what the fallout's going to be. Can you just ask dad? I right. <laughs> maybe they could. See, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the impression I get with AO though is if you go to ask AO anything, he's not gonna tell you anything. He's just gonna tell you to screw off. Essentially, he has no time for you. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. that's I'm a good busy point. making tablets right now. Get out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so. Following the events of the Second Sundering, when most CDs withdrew their influence from Toril, um, Bane, along with the returned Merkel and Ball, decided to remain behind as quasi-deities. So they're giving up full divine status to stay behind uh, rather than pull away from, from the world. Um, though he's still able to, uh, to influence events over Faerun, Bane is essentially trapped in a mortal form. Um, I think the idea here is that the gods were forced to take a step back. Uh, they could keep their portfolios and levels of power, but they could no longer directly intervene in Faerunian events, or Toril events, I should say, because Faerun's just the continent. Uh, Bane, Ball, and Merkel had lost so much of their power at this point, they didn't want to leave and essentially be stuck at such a low level. So they opted to stay as quasi-deities, uh, able to stay in Faerun and influence things directly, raising a faith of coming back to full god status in due time at a time of their choosing. But that's just my theory. Uh, ben, does that jive with what you know? Um, this is theory, too, on my part. Um, I could see with Ball and Merkel in particular, them being pretty weak because they're just coming back. The real question is, why did Bane abdicate being a greater deity? Right. Because he point. was doing very well mm -hmm. during the Spell Plague era and very likely during the Second Sundering did not really lose all that much in the way of worshippers. So why did he decide to just be like, I'm going to give up greater deity status and join my buds down on the surface of Faerun? Mm -hmm. Now, 
the dark three, the dead three, whatever you want to call them, um, they're always up to shenanigans as it is. So likely something's afoot with them. Agreed. Very. That, that's very an agreed. in progress uh, sort of. That's uh, a builder. We don't want to get into spoilers territory. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So that <laughs> that leads to. That leads to Baldur's Gate three, which, summer, which I, I do. I do believe it's no secret that the Dark Three are. It's mostly Ball. I think maybe I'm wrong. Are very tied to Baldur's Gate one and two, so it's no surprise that they would be linked to three. Am I? Mm-hmm. I haven't played one and two though. Do, do you know Ben? I haven't played one or two, but as far as I understand, Ball is front and center in those games. Maybe Merkel and Bane have like mentions here or there, but mm. as far as I'm aware, they really aren't central. Uh, for lack of a better term, characters in those stories. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, I think we have come to the point where a short rest is necessary, and we'll come back and we'll continue this journey through Bane's life. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million dollars stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. It doesn't matter if you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you'll sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. It's like I said before, Shopify is going to take your business no matter what stage it's at and elevate it to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash DungeonCast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DungeonCast. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. We've returned. (laughs) Indeed we have. We're fucking back. Indeed we are. And we're here with, with Ben, Diggy, as many of you know him. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Diggy, you want to tell us about your, your podcast or where uh, listeners can find you? Sure. So uh, my podcast is called Religion in the Realms. As the name implies, it is strictly a podcast about uh, the gods in the Forgotten Realms uh, when I first started the podcast, I covered the Drow Pantheon. Uh, that was a few years ago. And I am deep in the weeds in covering the Faerunian Pantheon. Coming to conclusion soon-ish. Got maybe like 
two, three more gods left to do. Uh, my podcast can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, it's on YouTube as well. There's no actual kind of visual component to it. It's all just audio. Uh, but one fun thing I like to do is specifically when we come when you come across like weird realms names that you couldn't fathom how to speak them like uh, spell them sorry I do put subtitles up just to show you how to spell them just so <laughs> you might have an idea in case you want to go looking look it up on your own but that is where my podcast is at um, recently I just covered Loviatar. Um, the next god to get an episode will be Helm. So look forward to that. Uh, speaking of Luviatar, uh, she'll be coming up pr pretty shortly here on the show. Uh, but yeah, if you guys are interested in Forgotten Realms lore, especially obviously the deities and religions, which are a huge portion of the lore of the setting, uh, you can find no better source than Religion of the Realms. Incredibly informative, highly recommended. The link will be in the description. Definitely, and this episode makes me want to get into Helm because why does he get a pass? Because he's so dope, that's why. Okay. Extra, he's so lawful. Extra cool. <laughs> um, well, I could touch on it, but I won't. Let's not okay. go down that. Okay, not, right. Let's not go down that path. <clears throat> all right, back to Bane. So, before all of this quasi-deity business, Bane's divine realm was the Black Bastion. It could be found in Avalas, the first layer of Acheron. It is said to have been one of the most imperious and terrifying domains in all the planes. It is said to have been so massive that it struck out any lingering light from the sky above. The magnificent palace was constructed from the darkest metals and wood, like adamantine and ebony, and adorned with lustrous precious stones like jet and obsidian. obsidian. <laughs> uh, the only recorded landmark of note within the Black Bastion was Bane's personal throne of skulls. Uh, the Black Bastion housed Bane's personal army, which included devils and other extraplanar soldiers that heeded his call for war. It was also the home to the Beasts of Bane, nocturnal monsters that were much more menacing than their mundane kin. Uh, while Bane believes himself the rightful ruler of all the planes and thus all the beings in the universe, he is willing, unlike many other de evil deities, to work with others if it serves his interests and has formed multiple alliances throughout history. The most notable, perhaps, or pretty much definitely, is his alliance with Merkel and Ball. Although, from what I was reading, it is more like Ball serves him willingly than a proper alliance. Like, the power dynamic is a little strange. It, it always seems like uh, Bane and Merkel are friends, and Ball's that guy they tolerate. But maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. Yeah, uh, during the time of Troubles, it, it could especially read like that. The reason Ball really wasn't involved with uh, Merkel and Bane during the time of Troubles is because we touched on this in the Ball episode. He got messed up pretty bad during that whole escapade in the Moonshaze. Uh, oh, yeah. His avatar he put out there quite powerfully to kind of deal and kind of gain things for himself only to be defeated and destroyed, which left him kind of uh, reeling. And then the time of Troubles happened, so he was quite weak compared to his fellows so okay uh merkel and bane just kind of left him to his own devices which exactly they're to say they're friends that's stretching it mm. uh they're allied to a point as much as evil gods can be allied if you catch what i mean yeah definitely well, this alliance, of course, stretched back to ancient days when all three were mortals and uh, continued 
until both of their deaths uh, during the Time of Troubles and began again with the revivals. They just picked up where they left off. Um, Bane also is working relations with the gods Leviatar, goddess of agony, and Bane's consort slash queen. Uh, Talona, goddess of poison and disease, and Mask, god of shadows and thievery. Uh, Loviatar and Talona actually fall under Ball's domains and answer to him, but he in turn answers to Bane. So to me, it reads as a really strange dynamic. I'm not sure how that actually plays out. Yeah, that's that is sort of old information. That's like okay. their relationship during like first edition. Okay. Uh, okay. This is when Ball was far more powerful uh, and Bane was indeed in charge of all of them all together. Um, I don't think Mask these days pals around with those powers anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, if you look in Sword Coast Adventures Guide, he's aligned chaotic neutrally now. He's not a chaotic evil power. Right. Um, there's a whole lot more to say about Mask. Let's just say events transpired in Mask's past to the point that I could... I, I believe strongly that he's not allied with any evil powers going forward yeah when i read this it kind of made me scratch my head because yeah i always saw mask as like a, a chaotic neutral power and and personality i was like i didn't realize that he was tied to these uh really really evil deities at any point in time mm, not, not only that like bane's a quasi deity along with miracle and ball oh yeah yeah that's not to say that loviatar and talona don't have an alliance with him anymore i just suspect just as much that they could have turned their nose up at him and just kind of disassociate like don't want to associate with him anymore absolutely like at the very least the concert queen thing's probably not active anymore at this point Mm, that's a that's a fourth edition thing not to be too flippant but that's a Oh, I okay. kind of flippantly just kind of ignore that, to be honest with you. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, it's good to know. It's good to know. Um, So while still a full deity, Bane conquered the Goblinoid Pantheon, including uh, Maglubiet, Hergek, and Grand Cool. We talked about all three in the Bugbear episode, and Maglubiet, of course, got his own episode as well. Um. Bane had far more enemies and allies, though. Uh, these include the goddess of magic, Mistra. Pretty much any iteration of her, not friends with him. Um, he 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 covets her power. Siric, who stole from him many of his worshippers for a time. Torm, who was being responsible for Bane's first death. Uh, Bane is also enemies of the gods. Oh gosh, here we go. Uh, a a monitor, a monitor. It's it's got to be a monitor, right? A monitor. A monitor, my bad. Yes. Okay. God of the sun. By the way, okay, hold up. Is a monitor even around anymore? Because I know Lathander's kind of back, so how does that work? So you've uh, strode into another uh, confusing situation in the realms. They're both around. Uh, they're both their own respective gods. Lathander wasn't around during 4th edition. A monitor yeah. kind of filled that role. But, again, not to go off on a tangent, um, just... Presently, both are gods in the Faeronian Pantheon. Okay, okay. Well, a monitor is considered the god of the sun, law, and time. And uh, Bane is also enemies with uh, Ogma, or Ogma, god of inspiration, invention, and knowledge. Um, Bane basically hates virtually the entire Faeronian Pantheon, uh, but holds special antipathy for Torm, Seric, Mistra, Tempest, 
Um, that one kind of surprised me. Helm, Lathander, Ogma, um, Ilmater, Ilmater, the Suffering God. In that, yeah, I say I, I say Ilmater, but you know, Ilmater. Okay, Tomato. gotcha. Yeah. Um, among the many evil deities of Forgotten Realms, it is said that Bane's church is among the most stable and powerful, or at least it was. Um, while there was a time when the god encouraged sectarianism and violent disputes akin to Loth and Shar, the time has long since passed, and today uh, the gods... Ooh, this cut off. Um, yeah, well, we talked about it earlier. Like, he, he no longer um, encourages that type of behavior because he finds it to be uh, counterintuitive to, you know, a prospering clergy. Uh, within the church, the church hierarchy resolves internal disputes through cold and decisive thought, not rash and uncontrolled behavior. Bane's clerics and worshippers try to assume positions of power in every realm so that they can turn the world over to Bane. They work subtly and patiently to divide the forces of their enemies and elevate themselves and the church's allies over all others, although they do not fear swift and decisive violent action to help achieve their aims. So... It seems to me like there's just a big transition between Bane's followers being more um, militaristic. And it seems now, and maybe I'm wrong, that they're just much more, like, politically astute. Like, they'll still, like, they will fall back on their militaristic training and stuff and, and do things through violence, no problem. But now it's like, no, let's infiltrate this this government from within and just take it over from within that seems to be Bane's thing now versus before it seemed more again like conquest mm. i think what happened is especially when he perished during the time of troubles obviously his uh church uh faced a major setback um so and by that time like the cat was out of the bag the good powers know what bane's deal was but up until the time of troubles, he built himself up so much in power that not that he couldn't be touched, but he was hard to kind of combat. Um, third edition onwards, he had to be a little bit more um, insidious uh, with his church and having it built up, um, enduring itself as much as it could. So they had to be more politically savvy rather than just being conquesting militaristic types. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. So Bane's clerics pray for spells at midnight. They have no calendar-based holidays, and rituals are held whenever a senior cleric declares it time. Rites of Bane consist of drumming, chanting, doomful singing, and the sacrifice of intelligent beings who are humiliated, tortured, and made to show fear before their death by flogging, slashing, and crushing. Clerics and paladins of opposing faiths are the preferred sacrifice. Um, though other favorites such as unicorns, children, and celestials remain popular within the church. <laughs> Sorry. Bane's tyranny is known throughout the continent, and his is the image most seen as the face of evil. The commoner sees Bane's clerics as petty would-be dictators, unafraid to use immoral tactics and agenda. The adventurer sees the clergy as constant interlopers and enemies, agents of a rigid, evil philosophy who side with monsters, devils, and savage humanoids to further their wicked ends. Canny nobles glimpse the truest threat that some of their peers pay homage to the Black Lord to gain through guile and subterfuge what soldiers cannot conquer by force. Um, Bane orders his clerics and followers to achieve positions of power within their society, either through force or trickery, and to use that power to further the cause of hate, fear, destruction, and strife. 
The Black Hand much prefers that his clerics subvert governments and carry out their agendas under cover of the rule of law, but he tolerates a limited amount of discord and debauchery. Torture, beatings, and calculated assassinations frequently come into play in such operations, and rare indeed is the initiate of the Lord of Darkness, who does not possess at least a rudimentary skill in such enterprises. The church itself operates under a strict hierarchy. Questioning or disobeying the orders of a superior is an insult to Bane's supremacy and is punishable by torture, disfigurement, or death. Bane's temples tend to reflect the clergy's regimented, regimented doctrines. Tall, sharp, cornered stone structures featuring towers adorned with large spikes and thin windows. Most Bainite churches suggest the architecture of fortified keeps or small castles. Uh, thin interior passageways lead from an austere foyer to barracks-like common chambers for the lay clergy, each sparsely decorated with tapestries depicting the symbol of Bane or inscribed with the embroidered passage from important religious texts. Temples frequently include an exposed central courtyard used for military drills and open-air ceremonies, as well as more traditional mass hall for the congregation at large. Most churches feature extensive subterranean dungeons replete with torture chambers, starvation wells, and monster pens. I heard if you want to become a priest, you have to, like, from a no one to a priest, you need to sacrifice a child with a guardian angel that's riding a unicorn. <laughs> Stupid. Just blow them up in front of everybody. No, that's just how good. you become Bane's pope. Yeah, basically. <laughs> They're like, so wow, he did it. The, the holy oh, shit. The unholy trio. He got the trifecta. <laughs> he got it. Where did you find all three? <laughs> that only happens once a, once a millennia. <laughs> Stupid. Okay, so I'm going to touch a little bit on uh, uh, some some interesting and not exactly related 4E stuff. Basically, 4E had a version of Bane that was not this Bane. But before we do that, Ben, is there anything you want to add? Uh, is there anything glaring that you think I've overlooked or not not included? Or anything that, interesting that I'm missing? Um, Nothing missing i wouldn't say you're missing anything uh just there is a central figure in bane's church uh who goes by the name and it's a mouthful fazul chembrel the chosen of bane um currently as of writing fourth edition he has no material applied to them applied to him in fifth edition he's a exarch which is pretty much a demigod fourth yeah. edition used its own divine rankings for some reason um to be fair exarch sounds case, cool <laughs> go ahead go ahead will oh i said i said to be fair exarch sounds cool it does it's <laughs> i'm not it's more simplified streamlined a lot of fourth edition was that way as you well know yeah um but yeah no i would if anyone's i won't really go touch base too much on Fazul other than say he's got a fabulous mustache look him mm. up mm. whether on Google Images the Forgotten Realms wiki you'll see for yourself um, he's quite interesting to me at least I am biased clerics are my favorite class he's kind of a prominent cleric NPC in the realms uh, storyline overall he has a lot of interesting uh, events that transpired Oh, that uh, is a glorious well, mustache. My God. Yeah. He's a he beautiful a man. Of, yeah, he's a specimen. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Definitely some sort of war cleric at the very least, to use fifth edition terms. But yeah, he's got a lot of involvement in not just the source books, but the novels. He's a central character to Bane, um, ends of it, Zim, and to an agree, Cyric. But I won't kind of bog down that any more than I've already. Just to say, he's a figure to look into 
Um, he doesn't get much play in any of the current editions, but he's definitely an interesting character. Okay. He's mostly mustache in the imagery. It's F-Z-O-U-L for anybody that's interested. Yes. Oh, for sure. I sp- How did I spell it? I still got the images. Let me see here. I spelt it uh, F-I-Z-U-L. Yeah. yeah, I did something weird like that too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right, well, with that, let's let's talk a little bit about 4A information. You know I gotta. Um, favorite edition lore-wise, at least. Uh, Bane versus Bane, because you know 4E had to do it different. So I've said this many times, but as a reminder that 4E D&D launched with the idea of having a unique setting that would be the new default setting of Dungeons & Dragons. It was never given an official name, but it is most it is referred most commonly to as the Nintir Veil setting or the Points of Light setting by fans. I've also seen it called the Nerath setting. I'm not sure where that comes from. I'm sure it has some sort of source. And as always, I will say, I fucking love this setting. <laughs> In fact, uh, Crit Roll fans, uh, Crit Roll's very first season uh, slash setting is heavily based on a lot of this 4E D&D setting stuff. Um, obviously, it's it's also very unique. Matt Mercer is very, uh, very talented, but a lot of the gods specifically are pulled directly from 4E. Yeah, he uses straight up the Dawn War Pantheon. Yeah, yeah, which is my favorite Pantheon personally. Yeah. So. In 4th edition, beginning with the Player's Handbook, a new deity named Bane was introduced, an evil god of war and conquest for the Nentir Nentir Vale setting. However, the deities and demigods Bane article in Dragon Magazine 372 states in the Bane vs. Bane sidebar, the Bane of core D&D setting, which would have been the Nentir Vale setting at the time, is not the same god as the Bane of the Forgotten Realm setting. And ends saying the article... And and saying the article shouldn't necessarily apply to the Bane of Faerun. While it argues some similarities with the Forgotten Realms Bane, the key difference is that the Nantir Vale Bane is a god of war, while the Realms Bane is a god of tyranny. The article gives the Nantir Vale Bane a very different backstory as a brother to Kord, um, who is another major deity of the Dawn War Pantheon, but still gives him a curiously familiar title, the Black Hand. As an aside, I think I fell in love with the 4A Pantheon because it's basically the best bits from Greyhawk of Forgotten Realms with a few kick-ass new ideas like the Raven Queen and Arathis, goddess of civilization. And I think not having the the context, being a new player, I was just like, oh, all these gods are so cool and this is just such a tight, awesome Pantheon. Not realizing like, oh, well, they grab like five of like the more popular Greyhawk deities and like four of the more popular Forgotten Realms deities. And then they made up a few where there was like lacking space. So yeah, just want to throw that out there. That last bit was confusing as hell. The double Bane thing. Bane versus Bane. Yeah. One of them is Bane and the other one is Bane. (laughs) Stupid. It's needlessly confusing. It is very needlessly confusing. Um, From my perspective, I don't know why Bane couldn't exist in two pantheons. Yeah. Given how powerful he got, it makes no sense to me. Uh, Gods move across settings all the time. Usually that's usually like the the racial gods, except like human gods, like so Coralon, Morden, gods like that. But to me, why wouldn't Bane kind of put his eggs in more than one basket, so to speak. Right. And why do we need an article specifically saying, like, these Banes are different? Like, but the <laughs> Coralon is, they. we don't get an article for Coralon or Moradin, who are both part of the same Dawn War Pantheon. Bahamut and Tiamat 
are both part of that pantheon and we we don't get i mean maybe a few of these articles exist and i'm unaware of them but why did bane specifically get this article saying like no 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 they're different yeah why yeah. name it the same fucking thing if they're so different and you need yeah, to explain it exactly just make them different yeah oh well hmm. fourth edition's weird yeah maybe they're like <laughs> it i is. really like bane I, I the name is uh you know the whatever writer they were like this has to stay i'm not giving that up i the only thing i can think of is I think Bane might be the only like Forgotten Realm specific deity that was plucked and put into this pantheon, and maybe the fans were not a fan of that. Because uh, let me pull up the Dawnwar pantheon because I'm pretty sure almost all of them are from Greyhawk. Um, one hundred percent. There's no other Forgotten Realms deity in that pantheon. Yeah, um, that's got to be like Paylor. Uh, there's Cord. Uh, these are all Greyhawk gods. Even then, I don't know if they specifically are kind of the same gods just in different settings right um they might be they might not be like again i don't focus on greyhawk so i have no idea personally yeah 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 greyhawk's newer for me as i've been getting more and more you know we've been doing more episodes on the show but i gotta say the more i read about the greyhawk setting the more i'm like this setting's pretty fucking cool um yeah all right anything we want to add about bane nope i think we got it all right well, with that being said, let's get ready for a long rest. Oh well, before we do, oh, before we do yeah, that, okay. uh, uh, typically on these we don't really have a traditional long rest. Oh, that's so true. That's actually, true. let's let uh, let's let Diggy plug one more time. Diggy, where can our listeners find you? Uh, should they feel so inclined, which I think they should. All right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, podcast Religion the Realms. It's on YouTube. Again, no visual component to it. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that. Um, the podcast is on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, but I've also got an account on Mastodon past that. That's kind of it. What I have for socials. Um, if you do want to reach out to me, um, I am on the dungeon cast server. So by all means, tag me there, send, shoot me a message. I'm always down to answer questions or talk about the realms, not just the gods, uh, past that uh my contact information it's in it's in my episode description so just look me up uh you'll find all the information there awesome yeah you yeah, can uh, you can find a link to the discord in uh the notes below of this episode and any other episode that we have um but thanks a lot ben we really appreciate you coming on man it was yeah, awesome yeah man thanks again we'll have you on again probably for merkel <laughs> <laughs> always love to talk about the gods despite how confusing and how much of a mess they might be. That's half the fun, honestly. It is. (laughs) All right, Ben. Well, you have a good one. We will talk to you later. All right, let's call it a game. Let's call it a game. And then... Sweet. And the recording down here. We good? Yeah. Cool. All right, I don't know. I... I my buttons are messed up, so I'll, we'll we'll catch you later, Ben. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thanks, dude. Super no appreciate problem. it. All right, see ya. We'll catch you later. Take care. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities. 
who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm. Not she. They, maybe? W- wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every 